De la patrulla de Minos de California. Weather headlines for today, yes. Welcome to the Revenue Generator Podcast, an I Hear Everything production. In this podcast, you'll hear how industry leaders integrate sales, marketing, product, and customer success into a single business unit with a common goal of optimizing their revenue cycle. We'll unearth how innovators integrate data, technology, people, and processes to expedite demand generation and increase recurring revenue. Sit back, tune in, and get ready to meet a member of the Revenue Generation. Here's the host of the Revenue Generator podcast, the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. Welcome to the Revenue Generator podcast, where we members of the Revenue Generation share solutions for how you can integrate your business to optimize revenue. I'm your host and the CMO of Lean Data, Doug Bell. And today we're welcoming back Kamala Thompson for the monthly CMO Confidential Series. In this series, Kamala and I will be revealing the topics that marketing leaders wrestle with without the marketing hype. And for this week, Campbell and I are going to be talking about the rise of the buyer's toolkit, trade show strategy, and the decline of syndicated analysts. Kamala Thompson is the VP of Marketing at CaliberMind, which is the leading B2B platform for revenue insights you can trust. Kamala is also the host of the Revenue Marketing Report podcast. And yesterday, Kamala and I talked about whether the buyer's toolkit means friction for sellers. And today, we're going to continue our conversation and talk about the downfall of syndicated analysts. Okay. Here's my conversation with Kamala Thompson, the VP of Marketing at Caliber Mind. Oh my gosh, Kamala, I'm so glad you're bringing this topic up. It has been top of mind for me, and I have to admit, I'm a little stressed out because these are sort of folks that I need to appreciate us because in the enterprise, Forrester and Gartner are dominant. So yeah. what's happening for you that you're feeling like maybe this perch that they're on is potentially going to get toppled? You know, like anybody else, I'm trying to figure out how honest to be because I don't want to make anyone angry that's influential in the market. But I think my journey to jadedness began <laughs> sitting at organizations that a few years ago were really beholden to Gartner in particular and appearing on the Magic Quadrant. And that was a recipe for success for them. I watched them have to fly in the analysts and pay all these bills. And as a technical buyer... I started getting really, really skeptical of the process. G2 came out, was really crazy about that. It was much closer to the Amazon structure of peer reviews. So I don't know if they have the same level of influence. So as a very small business, I'm having a really busy debate going on in my brain about whether or not to engage and participate. I didn't think I'd question that as much as I have been. Well, I think... There's a balancing act that's going on for you, Kamala, which is pretty common for marketing leaders because the analysts are expensive and engaging with them is no light duty. You really have to understand how they think. You have to understand how they're motivated. You have to be as incredibly honest and capable as you can be, but also understand at the end of the day, your positioning and their positioning. The folks that are good at helping manage these relationships are there's not a lot of them, right? It's it's almost a dying art form on some level. So it's a big investment and the return could be very low. So I have wrestled with this too. I think the other thing I'd point out is there feels like this kind of shift towards, we talked about this yesterday, towards the Amazon model, as you called it, or the buyer's toolkit. And it's easy for us to talk about this stuff, but folks, we're seeing this in our pipeline. This is happening. 
And what that means is more often than not, buyers are going to be better informed by G2 than they are by Gartner or Forrester. Because guess what? You have to subscribe to Gartner and Forrester. And this, to me, ultimately, I think is what we're talking about. It's the two sides of this model. Whether or not it's impactful for us, guess what? We're the shopkeeper in 1890s Brooklyn, and the guys are coming by and they want their money. We got to pay it, right? Right? Camel, you're trying to decide, should I start paying the money? Yes. And as somebody who has enjoyed and looked for and engaged with earlier startups as, you know, just fresher technology, more commitment to partnership, I know they're not going to show up on those charts. And and if they do, they're not going to show up as well. And it doesn't necessarily reflect the experience I'm going to have. So I tend to trust as a buyer G2 more. And I'm not saying that I am our average buyer and the only one who should make this decision by any means, but it's getting it's getting to be a tougher call, I think. So we're hostage on some level. You're not quite there yet. You're trying to make that decision. Am I hostage? But if we look at the flip, and that's really, this is the buyers, right? Who, unless you're working with a large organization, it's expensive to be a subscriber to Forrester or Gartner. Or I can go to G2 Crowd. I can go to modern sales pros, sales hackers, upstars, right? I can reach into these communities and get pretty good information from the people that are actually buying and applying these applications and have been users for years. I don't have to wait for the Forrester wave to understand what's happening. I think the thing this reminds me of, Cam, I love your reaction to this, is where the newspaper industry was just a few short years ago, I'm going to say probably 10 years ago, the McClatchy group was gobbling everybody up. There was consolidation, Jeff Bezos... My gosh, Amazon is every part of this conversation. Jeff Bezos rides into the scene with his white horse, picks up the Washington Post, rescues it from blah, blah, blah. What happened? Well, the two sides of that model stopped working for them. The advertisers and the subscribers, that dynamic changed completely. Guess what? They figured it out. New York Times, Washington Post, there are winners and there are losers in this game. I sort of feel like the analysts are in this similar situation. I can get a ton of great information without waiting for the wave. And I tend to trust it more because guess what? I'm talking to my people right? I'm in G2 crowd. I'm on MoPros. I'm talking to my people. Is that ultimately what we're talking about here? Do we think that's what we're facing for the analyst community? I think so, because these analysts are super smart people, but they may not be in the trenches every single day facing the same problems. So I think that's why I have so many starred emails in my inbox that I keep debating. Am I going to respond or am I just going to let it fly under the radar? (laughs) Yeah, I feel your pain. Camel, I feel your pain. And, and I will say, we at Lean Data are on the analyst chain. I will tell you, we just have such fabulous coverage. We're really lucky, right? The analysts that understand our space are people that have been in the trenches and understand what's happening. And I will tell you, that feels more and more common than it used to. And I, I do think, I think the Foresters, the Gartners, the IDCs, I think they're reacting to potentially a lot of this pressure by bringing on folks that are actually practitioners. Really good friend of mine, Sherry Shrebnik former head of customer support at Search Metrics. I work at Lean Data now. She and I worked at Search Metrics together. She was an exceptional CX leader, and they brought her on to help with their CX practice, right? So they're not kind of saying, who's the analyst that's going to spread the most word because they're a star analyst? They're saying, who knows the most? Yeah, I don't know. I'm still on the edge. It's really tough because as marketers, we're always trying to predict where trends are going and where things are going to end up in a couple of years. And I just don't know if investing right now makes sense. Two years from now, I don't know. It's an interesting time for sure. I feel like we are talking about dynamics between yesterday's discussion and today's. 
Yesterday's discussion was about the buyer's toolkit. We did our best in a short period of time to define what that equals, but loosely speaking, it's a combination of different applications, both free and paid, that help buyers have better information before they make a buying decision. And quite often, that means that their engagement level with the vendors is going to be much, much lower in the near future than it has been in the past. And that's being fed by user-generated content. That's being fed by G2 Crowd and Trust Radius and others. And then a series of applications that are popping up. I think that's what we're talking about. And it's a term that got thrown around a lot not too long ago, but I'll call it the democratization of ellipsis, what have you. In this case, it's the democratization of buying. And I think that the analysts need to adjust because at the end of the day, guess what, Kamala, three years ago, I would have told you you were crazy if you were not subscribed. I would have told you you were nuts. What are you thinking about? And now I'm going, it's a good decision. Yeah, you know, I would have been in the same camp three years. I was in the same camp three years ago. We were investing at prior companies. And now I have to look at the whole of that buyer toolkit and the share the analysts are pulling. And it's shifting. It just is. But let's give a nod to why that was the case three years ago. Let's make it really clear. Magic Quadrant, the wave, whatever you want to talk about, getting a high placement on one of those two reports could really vault a business. It could really accelerate that revenue curve. That's the great thing about really those methodologies and the analyst community itself is you can't pay to get up in that right-hand quadrant. You can't do it. Hey, folks, guess what? You can game G2, just so you know. Absolutely. If we've got buyers out there listening, go, this is the purest pure. No, you can game G2. They make it hard. They really understand their brand is built around the credibility of those reviews, but you can still game the system. And I'll tell you what we do. Do you want to know what we do, Kamala? CMO Confidential, of course. Do you want to know what we do? Heck yeah. Okay. We have a customer marketing group that has a certification program. The certification program services people that have a high level of interest in our product. We then go to those folks and say, I hope you enjoyed your certification. Would you write a review on G2? Without a suggestion in terms of writing a good or a bad review, well, guess what? We've picked the cream of the cream. We have taken the people that are willing to spend a lot of time getting certified on our product. Our product's not hard to use. There's a lot of depth to it, right? So they get certified. We go, guess what? Be fantastic if you do a review in the G2 crowd. And then we do small email campaigns that go out and say, hey, guess what? G2 crowd, if you've got time, please go ahead. And guess what? It works incredibly well. Is that gaming? Would you call that gaming? No. As a published author who has seen people purchase a bunch of Amazon reviews, I don't I don't think it is. I mean, because we do something similar with NPS surveys. We piggyback on that. We look at usage. We look at a few other things and encourage those people to participate. I don't think that's quite gaming because you're not fudging the numbers. You're not choosing people who aren't actually customers. But it definitely is advantageous. It feels a little cheaty, but I don't think it is. I think it is. Kamala, I think it is. Because guess what we're not doing? We're not going to the people that churn and go, you know what? Would you put a review on G2 Crowd? We're not like, hey, you know what? We know we pissed you off. Tell me, go to G2 Crowd and tell the world what's happening, right? Even though they may do that on their own. Well, I was going to say, you know, like the two times you write a review about a restaurant is when you're really happy. And that's going to happen less frequently than when they really make you mad. So I just don't think they need the same level of encouragement. Which is my argument for the analysts. My argument for the analyst community is to say, guess what? They don't get game. They just don't. These are really smart, capable people. They have talked to hundreds of us, sometimes in some cases, thousands of us, right? They put frameworks in place. This is, again, Magic Quadrant. And this is the Forrester Wave. And I got to tell you, I've gotten a few top placements on the Wave, and I got there because the product and services were great. I've had to take some clunkers and try and put them in the top right-hand quadrant. I won't mention names. And I got to tell you guys, it can't be done. 
if the product isn't there, if the services aren't there, you're not getting up in the upper end. So that's, I think, really the core of what these organizations do for buyers. They're incredibly credible. G2 can be game. Trust Radius can be game. So that's my take. I think it's a smart take. Kamala, always good conversation with you. We've got more to talk about. Thank you for being on the podcast. Thanks for having me. Okay, that wraps up this episode of the Revenue Generator Podcast. Thanks to Kamala Thompson, as always, VP of Marketing at Caliber Minds, for joining us in part three of this interview, which we'll publish tomorrow. Kamala and I are going to talk about in-person events are back, but are they producing? Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to revgenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. You can subscribe to our weekly newsletter, apply to be a speaker on the Revenue Generator podcast, or you can even share your revenue generation questions, which we'll answer live on our show. Of course, you can always reach out on social media. Our handle is at RevGenPod on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Or you can contact me directly. My handle is Market Advocate. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a daily stream of RevGen strategies in your podcast feed, we're going to publish an episode every day during the work week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app. We'll be back in your feed in the next business day. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, keep cranking because the revenue isn't going to generate itself. <laughs>